You are listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as the other show I do, How to Stan, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com and subscribe to my newsletter at howtostan.substack.com. K-pop interviews, album reviews, and more. Subscribing is free, but if you want to continue to support my work, feel free to donate. Click the support the show button on the homepage at 17karatkpop.weebly.com. Welcome back to How to Stan. We have a lot to break down today. And you don't need to have listened to my first How to Stand episode about Britney Spears to get what I'm saying here, because I will do quite the recap. But feel free to check out that refresher anyway for the general timeline. But we have to go back and add a ton of additions to this timeline based on, I'm gonna describe this stuff not based on when Revelations came out about the true nature of her conservatorship and the Free Britney movement, but rather the order it happened not the year we actually found out about when it happened. So here's kind of the evolution of the conservatorship, the movement to free her, not when we knew stuff, but what should have been known before. So here's a timeline, new and improved, as well as bigger picture, what happens next, and the nature of these conservatorships, because this issue truly deserves to stay in the news, because this is happening, this over-control of people's lives, is truly like a silent epidemic here. So we'll talk about the broader implications of all this too. But first, let's start by going back to 2004. In 2004, a financial trust was set up for Brittany and her kids' inheritance. The LA probate court allowed her dad, Jamie, and Andrew Wallet to access and amend the assets in that trust against Brittany's wishes. In 2007, she lost custody of her sons after erratic behavior during her divorce. Early 2008, Brittany was put in a psychiatric hold and then was returned there later in January in what she calls an involuntary readmission. But the following day, Jamie petitioned for conservatorship over her, and it was granted. The involuntary hold was then extended, and conditions were shortly added to it. The judge denied the person Brittany requested to represent her in court from doing so and appointed a public defender instead, Sam Ingham. So it turns out Brittany had wanted different defense from way back in 2008 and was denied it. This judge also reportedly told Sam Ingham not to disclose to Brittany that she still had the right to marry while in a conservatorship. Brittany was released from that psychiatric hold February 7th, 2008, but then February 14th, the conservatorship was extended a month. When that deadline came up, it was extended yet again, and Jamie started getting on the payroll for the continuation of the conservatorship. He requested an increase in pay that June. October 28th, 2008, the conservatorship was made permanent. In a documentary about this conservatorship, already pointing out the ways it was against Britney's wishes, came out that November on MTV, where she describes feeling like a prisoner. The Free Britney movement officially started in 2009, despite it not getting much attention for the next 10 years. November 2013, there was a conservatorship hearing update that Britney was now capable of being, quote, engaged in furthering her career activities, unquote. Yet, February 2014, 
the conservatorship remained, and the paychecks for those people in charge of the conservatorship rose to $426,000 per year. This was also the year that Sam said Brittany wanted to explore the possibility of removing her dad from this conservatorship. And he said Brittany feared the court would just sweep this issue under the rug, which it turns out they kind of did. The judge then said, I'm not making any promises, but if Brittany starts seeing a therapist regularly and comes back with a year's worth of clean drug tests, I will put this request under consideration after all that not committing to anything. In 2015, Brittany teamed up with Iggy Azalea, and Iggy, we now know, really witnessed firsthand, while they filmed the video and stuff, how much Brittany's life was controlled by those around her. Iggy's place had to be searched, presumably for drugs, before Brittany could enter, and mere moments before she took the stage for an award show performance with Brittany, Jamie went backstage and basically threatened her, saying, you can never be on stage with her unless you sign an NDA first. In 2016, then twice in 2017, annual conservatorship hearings, status updates, were cancelled. Despite in 2016, a big New York Times investigation showing that Britney's purchases and other areas of her life were entirely controlled to the scent by the conservators. A court investigator reported, quote, She articulated she feels the conservatorship has become an oppressive and controlling tool against her, and that she's, quote, sick of being taken advantage of. Again, this was already happening back in 2016, and nothing was being done. Brittany really proved she was more than capable of working and living independently in 2016. She released her ninth album that year, performed over 50 times, and started dating Sam Asgari, who she is now engaged to. September 2018, Business Insider reported $1.1 million had been spent on illegal and conservative fees so far, and conservators filed a request to trademark her name. In early 2019, Britney's Vegas residency was quickly canceled she said she needed to stop and take care of her dad and his ill health. Interesting to put it that way, considering those who are considered in need of being conserved are not usually the ones caregiving for the conservator, but I digress. This is when Andrew Wallet resigned out of the blue. He claims because his services were no longer needed, Brittany was on this indefinite work hiatus. But in March of that year, Jamie took control of all of Britney's investments rather than dividing them up with a co-conservator. Lynn Spears, Britney's mom, was seemingly getting more involved. CNN reported that she had requested court access to Britney's medical records that she had not had previously. Also that spring, there was a closed-door hearing where Britney read a statement confirming she had been forced against her will into that mental health facility and she thought it was actually her punishment because one time in rehearsal, she stood up for herself and expressed a disagreement. They didn't like her tone and sent her away. September 9th, 2019, Jamie stepped down as conservator of Britney's estate. Remember, there are kind of two parts to conserving here. The estate and then the person. So her estate, he was no longer in charge of. Her person, he was. 
and therefore he could keep making money off of this anyway. He didn't need to be in charge of both. That was when Jody Montgomery entered the picture as a temporary conservator of the estate. Also that September, an LA Times investigation brought up not much info after three months of trying to get interviews and info about the allegedly abusive conditions of the conservatorship. But there was such silence, and people on that team and those who maybe wanted to speak out against it were seemingly barred from doing so. Jody Montgomery's role in the conservatorship was extended through the end of April 2020. By then, COVID had hit, in-person hearings were canceled, and the oversight was extended through August 2020. Quick reminder, when I say Jamie, I'm referring to Brittany's dad. Lynn is her mom. Jamie Lynn is her sister. Anyway, in July 2020, Jamie Lynn was named in official documents as a trustee of Brittany's estate. Free Brittany advocates who have long been upset with Jamie Lynn for seemingly just kind of ignoring her sister's plight crashed the Zoom hearing, so it was basically canceled. A ruling was made against Brittany in August 2020 that decided to keep Jamie and Jody in charge as co-conservators until at least February 2021. At this time, the ACLU got involved, offering to step in and assist Brittany in any legal capacity she needed. That is when Jamie went to the New York Post, called the Free Brittany movement this big, unfounded conspiracy theory, and sounded adamant about the fact he was looking out for her best interests. In early September that year, Jamie requested any public records in this case to just be sealed away, which Brittany objected to. The next month, another interview where he slammed the Free Brittany movement and tried to delegitimize it came out in the Daily Mail. At the end of October 2020, Brittany's longtime business manager, who really made a lot of money through this arrangement, we'll talk more about that soon, Lou Taylor, was replaced reportedly after resigning. This apparently was without Brittany's knowledge. That is also the month Sam told Judge Penny that Brittany lacked the capacity to sign a declaration and therefore cannot personally testify in that case. November 2020, Judge Penny granted a request to put Bessemer Trust in charge of the estate. Meanwhile, Jamie continued his PR blitz into December, telling CNN he had not talked to Brittany since August, and he was just really upset with that. He requested more control in the co-conservatorship arrangement February 2021, something Sam filed an objection to. The judge ruled against Jamie's request to get more control, keeping Bessemer Trust as a co-conservator, but this also wasn't really a win for Brittany because Jody's request to stay involved, the extension of her conservatorship role, was also approved at that time. Some more developments from February 2021. Vivian Thorine, who became a super major player in Jamie's PR Blitz, his lawyer who was really, really defending him at all costs, she responded to one of the Free Britney movement-related documentaries, telling ABC News, quote, I understand that every story needs a villain, but people have it so wrong here. Jamie saved Britney's life. 
Thorin went on to claim other parties were the ones who had been exploiting her, and he stepped in and saved the day. This is also the month Brittany's boyfriend Sam posted on Instagram stories calling Jamie a total word I can't say on the show. Then he said, quote, I won't be going into details because I've always respected our privacy. But at the same time, I didn't come to this country to not be able to express my opinion. In February and beyond, throughout 2021, Sam would continue to post jabs at Jamie and company. Speaking to CNN in March 2021, Thorin insisted, quote, Jamie believes every single decision he has made has been in her best interest, unquote. In April 2021, a TMZ article came out with an alleged response from Brittany denying her former makeup artist claims. This guy Billy B, a.k.a. Billy Brasfield, claimed she had, quote, no control over this week's Instagram post criticizing the Framing Britney Spears documentary. Britney apparently issued a statement to TMZ stating, quote, no, I'm not talking to him at all. I write my posts. I'm not sure who he is talking to but I am not talking to Billy B. Fans speculate that was not Britney's statement to TMZ. Wasn't in her tone, and was probably slipped to her by Jamie or someone on his team. That's what they assumed. That was never really verified if it was her or not. I personally think it was not her saying that, but anyway. Basically what that statement did is say, no, that's not true, that Billy B says, I don't control my social media posts. There was a big legal victory for the Free Britney movement, which had started a campaign to vote yes on 724. And SB 724 unanimously passed in California's Senate Judiciary Committee. It gives conservatives the right to choose their own attorneys. A little later on, her mom Lynn filed an objection to Vivian Thorin's request that Britney pay her legal fees. Basically, she wanted Britney to foot the bill for her media tour on the defense for her dad. Jamie's team actually sought nearly $900,000, nearly a million dollars in fees for her work over the course of four months of PR for Jamie. Lynn, in the filing, objected and called this decision improper in substance and procedurally. In the objection, Lynn requested that at least $224,000 get paid back to Brittany's estate, and that the initial transactions be investigated for potential wrongdoing. Thorine issued a response wondering why Lynn was suddenly getting involved in this. And she said, no, Lynn is the one not acting on behalf of Brittany's best interests. Thorine went on to call Jamie's track record impeccable, and she went on to accuse Lynn of exploiting Britney's pain previously through a memoir release back in 2008. Tensions remained high when a BBC documentary aired called The Battle for Britney, Fans, Cash, and a Conservatorship, May 1st of 2021. By this time, several conservatorship documentaries had come out, and Britney responded to them in an Instagram caption May 4th saying, quote, So many documentaries about me this year with other people's takes on my life. What can I say? I'm deeply flattered. These documentaries are so hypocritical. They criticize the media and then do the same thing. I don't know y'all, 
but I'm thrilled to remind you all that although I've had some pretty tough times in my life, I've had way more amazing times in my life. I think the world is more interested in the negative. Isn't this supposed to be a business and society about the future? Why highlight the most negative and traumatizing times in my life from forever ago? I mean, on a lighter note, this is a video of me dancing. PSS. I don't actually talk to Billy B at all, so I'm honestly way confused. Then laughing crying emojis. Billy B again had been in the news because he was on this Queensland radio show saying that Brittany had no control at all over her phone, not just social media posts, but over her phone, period. And he claimed they had found this special secret way to communicate. What really stands out to me about that statement is the part where she says, isn't this supposed to be a business in society about the future? Why focus on the past? The way she describes life as a business, that really grabbed my attention. Because her life has been basically treated as this transactional relationship with people. The big game-changing bombshell testimony. Brittany finally got to use her voice, and boy did she. June 23rd, 2021. So many facets of the past 13 years under a conservatorship came to light for the very first time. When Jody Montgomery's attorney asked that transcripts about her medical history be sealed, at this time, Brittany said, quote, They've done a good job at exploiting my life, so I feel like it should be an open court hearing, and they should listen to what I have to say. She really did lay it all out, saying she's been very angry, she was lying about feeling okay and saying she's okay to fans. She does acknowledge the Free Britney movement. She talked about how she had never been informed that she actually had the ability to petition herself to end her conservatorship. She had been left in the dark about that option. So that in court, when they argued, well, why would you terminate this? Clearly she's fine with it. She hasn't petitioned to end it. She didn't know she could. She touched on the fact that this is beyond her. In that abusive, exploitative, conservatorship dynamics take place all over. She said she felt bullied, left out, and alone, and refused to be silent anymore. She talks about wishing she could keep talking to the judge forever and just really open up. She said, quote, I've lied and told the whole world I'm okay and I'm happy. It's a lie. I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I am traumatized. Fake it till you make it. But now I'm telling you the truth, okay? I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm depressed. I cry every day. She said she honestly didn't believe anyone would believe her if she ever came forward. So it wasn't just fear of repercussions, but she really thought people wouldn't believe her, talking about the true extent of her trauma, because the odds are stacked against people in her position. But now she's saying, quote, I don't owe these people anything. I've roofed and clothed and fed people on the road. It's demoralizing what I've been through. I've never said it openly. I never thought anyone would believe me. I'm not lying. I just want my life back. It's been 13 years and it's been enough. I want to be able to be heard. I've kept the sins for so long. I've been so angry and I cry every day. She talks about how this conservatorship has stripped her of rights in every aspect financially, medically, zero privacy. Every little thing she does has to be controlled, and a lot of it they say no to and she can't protest. She can't just go for a ride in a car, she can't spend a dollar on something without their permission, 
as an adult. She can't go get massages. She's been told she can't go get her nails done. She couldn't even restain her kitchen cabinets when she asked to. Yet at the same time, they're using her credit cards to give themselves money. And the one place they will let her go is twice a week therapy, located in a place where paparazzi swarm all the time. That's like telling someone, go to the AA meeting, and you get to the venue, and people offer you drinks all on the way. It's like, what are you doing? She said she's been finding it very hard to trust people, is scared of people. She said the 2018 tour she went on was one she went on against her will. Quote, my own management could sue me if I didn't follow through with the tour. She was on a certain type of med for five years, and then abruptly was forced to go on lithium instead, which made her feel very drunk and controllable. And she said her dad loved the control he had over her. Quote, 100,000%. She says she wants to get married, have more kids, drive around in a car without asking permission first as a grown woman, end this conservatorship full stop, not have to undergo a psych evaluation first, etc. Just end it. In one of the more harrowing moments of this testimony, she said she had been barred from getting an IUD removed. She wanted to have kids again, but they wouldn't let her do that. After this came out, a lot happened. First of all, a statement was issued by Jamie's attorney just saying, quote, Mr. Spears is sorry to see his daughter suffering and in so much pain. Mr. Spears loves his daughter and misses her very much. Mother Nature proved to be Team Brittany. Shortly after the testimony, California was hit with a 3.4 earthquake. And the day after the testimony, Brittany talked about on social media no longer wanting to fake it till you make it, pretend to be happy and just accept how she feels. Quote, I feel like Instagram has helped me have a cool outlet to share my presence and to simply feel like I matter. Despite what I was going through, really made me think about how lonely at the top it can be, especially when people won't let you bask at the top. They want to pull you down, take your resources, isolate you, drain you, her sister Jamie Lynn, after these documentaries and explosive testimony, was under more scrutiny than ever, facing more backlash than ever, especially because of that period of time. She was kind of involved with her finances, has insisted that's not the case, saying, quote, maybe I didn't support her the way the public would like me to, with a hashtag on a public platform. But I can assure you that I've supported my sister long before there was a hashtag, and I'll support her long after. Not that I owe the public anything, because my sister knows I love her and support her. That's the only person I owe anything to. She insisted she is speaking for herself, not her family members. And she says she supports whatever will allow Brittany to be happy. June 25th, 2021. Jamie Lynn's husband told the New York Post, quote, I can assure you her family loves her and wants the best for her. I wouldn't be around people who weren't. After that testimony heard round the world, the next few months were full of biting Instagram captions and a wider window into Britney's life. She seemed like the genie was out of the bottle now. She was ready to stop being silenced. She felt emboldened, and her Instagram captions, often lengthy ones, proved that. She posted a picture saying one day at a time, with the caption, quote, 
I've said all I needed to say, and I'm not even close. I was told to stay quiet about things for so long, and I finally feel like I'm just getting here. She posted an image of a quote saying, If standing up for yourself burns a bridge, I have matches. We ride at dawn. She posted another kind of darkly funny post on Halloween, dressing herself up as a damsel in distress, her hands tied, lying down as if a crime scene victim. After it was revealed, Jamie Lynn planned to write a memoir called Things I Should Have Said. Brittany posted with a caption about, Maybe I should start writing my own book. She posted even an image of a free Britney flag and captioned it, quote, And for a lot of you who say I should be cautious with what I post, with what I've been through, I believe I've been way too cautious. She even wore a free Britney shirt herself once as did her boyfriend Sam in an Instagram story. In another caption, she said, quote, There's nothing worse than when the people closest to you, who never showed up for you, post things in regard to your situation and speak righteously for support. How dare the people you love the most say anything at all? Did you put your hand out when I was drowning? Again, no. So if you're reading this and you know who you are, and you actually have the nerve to say anything about my situation, just to save face for yourself. Please stop with the righteous approach. When you're so far from righteous, it's not even funny. That was the caption on a picture that said, never forget who ignored you when you needed them and who helped you before you even had to ask. In another post more directly confirming her beef is partly with her sister, she said, quote, I don't like that my sister showed up in an award show and performed my songs to remixes. My so-called support system hurt me deeply. This conservatorship killed my dreams. I didn't like the way the documentaries bring up humiliating moments from the past. I'm way past all that and have been for a long time. She continues to try to just want to move on totally from this chapter of her life, but it sounds like that is very hard to do. Mentally and logistically not happening. The award show she's referring to is the RDMAs, a short-lived Radio Disney award show where the theme was Britney Spears that year. Different artists dressed up in outfits from different Britney eras to perform her hit songs. If you're a little kid, you probably reviewed this show and thought it was great. If you were older, not so much, but whatever. The thing that really seems to sting, and may just be unintentional, but still stings, is the fact that this event that Jamie Lynn attended was a Radio Disney event. And Britney got her start and then became exploited thereafter after being on the Mickey Mouse Club. Jamie took legal action against Britney in response to her testimony. There was an evidentiary hearing requested by Jamie in June to find out if her testimony from earlier that month was accurate. He also filed separate docs denying certain claims she'd made and trying to, quote, correct the record. June 30th, LA courts decided they were ending the remote audio program that had allowed public access to listen to Britney's testimony. So now, the only time hearings are recorded and available for public listening are when the judge officially gives written approval for that. You can now be held in contempt of court there if you ignore this law. Around that time, a judge denied a request for the time being to remove Jamie then and there. 
Although this hearing wasn't really about that, it was more about whether or not Bessemer Trust should officially, officially be considered a co-conservator now. But at that time, Bessemer Trust resigned anyway, citing, quote, irreparable harm to her interests. In early July, a New Yorker expose released even more bombshells about the making and maintenance of this conservatorship. One of the most, to me, jaw-dropping parts of it, and apparently this is not abnormal for conservatorships, the process of actually starting this life-altering event took about 10 minutes. No testimony, no questions. The conservatorship was granted, and they didn't even need to talk to Brittany first. That's often the case. They can just quietly, in a 10-minute, no-questions-asked procedure, take full control over every type of right, legal, medical, personal, a person has. Around this time as well, Brittany's manager for over 25 years, Larry Rudolph, resigned. He said, quote, It has been over two and a half years since Brittany and I last communicated, at which time she informed me she wanted to take an indefinite work hiatus. Earlier today, I became aware that Brittany had been voicing her intention to officially retire. I believe it is in Brittany's best interest for me to resign from her team, as my professional services are no longer needed. One day later, Sam Ingham requested to be allowed to resign as well. So then a new court-appointed lawyer would take his place. So people are bowing out. Her testimony seems to already be helping bring this conservatorship to a close. However, around this time also, Jody Montgomery released a statement affirming her desire to stay in her position and claimed, quote, Ms. Spears as recently as yesterday has asked Ms. Montgomery to continue to serve. This is also when circulation started of a bunch of rumors that were never fully verified. But a lot of claims started by a friend of Sam Asgari claiming that Jamie Lynn had a habit of selling fake stories about Britney to the tabloids. This person also claimed that millions of Britney's dollars were stolen from her by the conservators. Fans kept up the pressure in mid-July, and public interest continued. The Zone pop-up exhibit, where you could pose in front of different settings inspired by iconic Britney Spears videos, that Zone exhibition became the location of a 15-foot-tall art display. Fans set up this yarn display of five different Britney outfits, and naturally, the words Free Britney above them. This was started by advocate London Kay, and she used approximately 36,000 feet of yarn to make that display outside the pop-up exhibit. Around this time, the Senate was involved as well. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bob Casey requested more data on conservatorships because there really isn't a good centralized database for it. This structure of guardianship doesn't really have a lot of safeguards because there's no real oversight or database for it. It's kind of unregulated. This was around the time that Jody Montgomery filed documents, including a claim that Jamie had actually used over $2 million of Britney's own money on illegal defense fees. And apparently she also attested that, yes, Jamie did request every single purchase go through him, no purchase without his knowledge. July 13th, 2021, Matthew S. Rosengart was chosen by Britney herself to be her new lawyer. 
an L.A. Superior Court judge granted this request, and the Free Britney movement got to celebrate a bit because he didn't pull any punches. You could see right off the bat why Britney chose him. He was ready to play hardball. That day, Britney posted a really cute Instagram video of her doing cartwheels, going horseback riding, and the caption was about how grateful she felt. July 14th, 2021, Britney's ex-manager Sam Lutfi tweeted admitting he let her down. Quote, I was supposed to protect her from all this. I let her down and we both paid dearly for it. This was the same day of Britney's court appearance about appointing Rosengart. That is when she's on the record officially saying, quote, I would like to charge my father with conservatorship abuse. This is also the day when Nick Carter and A.J. McLean were on Andy Cohen's Sirius XM radio show. They said they were Team Britney all the way, and McLean said, quote, For it to go on this lawn, I think it's insane. I think it's completely brutal. Also in July, Jamie Lynn announced that memoir was coming out. In the excerpts released that summer, she claimed the wedge driven between her and Britney was largely because of when she got pregnant as a teen, her parents really kind of hid her and didn't want her to even tell Brittany about the pregnancy. She said she was basically, they kept trying to convince her to abort the baby or give it up for adoption. She said she considered seeking legal emancipation from them. It's just a very interesting wrinkle in this story, how Brittany does not have bodily autonomy under the conservatorship at this point, and Jamie Lynn ultimately did get to choose to keep her baby anyway. There was also this mental health organization that some of the proceeds of her memoir would go to, but Britney fans gave that place a ton of backlash for working with her sister, and the organization dropped out of the partnership. Around this time also, Jamie Lynn continued to be publicly defiant. She reacted to a headline in Instagram stories. The headline said Britney Spears' sister, Jamie Lynn, shares photos of her home life, and it's revealed she's the only family member not on the singer's payroll. And she replied to that with facts. Now leave my broke, you know what, alone. Insisting she was not profiting off of this conservatorship. July 24th. For the first time in over a decade, Cade Hudson, a friend of Britney's, spoke out. Quote, I'm now speaking up. This is a violation of someone's basic human rights. You silencers know who you are. Even if people don't see it now, it will come out. To the ones who should be worried, you know who you are too. The nonsense needs to end, and the healing process needs to begin. The world is listening and is on your side. The world needs you, free and back. There was quite the dispute throughout the summer because Jamie and company really wanted to fight for someone else footing the bill for the extra security they hired due to an uptick in threats toward them after the testimony. So yeah, tensions were beyond high throughout the summer here. July 26th, Matthew Rosengart filed to remove Jamie as conservator, but not to fully terminate the conservatorship. And the reason behind that is that Jamie actually sounded, later on he would come to sound like he came to terms with begrudgingly just ending this. But then he wanted that outcome. He wanted this to just flat out end so that the period of time would close for Rosengart to take time to gain access to all sorts of financial records. So Rosengart wanted to get Jamie out of the way ASAP. 
but not end the conservatorship ASAP. Keep it for a while to keep his access to possible evidence of financial malfeasance over the years. Because Brittany didn't just want him gone. She wanted consequences for potential crimes he committed in his position. And Matthew Rosengart helped make public documents revealing things like how Jamie got $16,000 a month under the conservatorship. July 29th, Brittany's ex-manager, Sam Lutfi, leaked some voicemails from 2009. Some of those include Brittany's messages saying, quote, I've been blackmailed, quote, I want out of this conservatorship, quote, I'm confined, restrained, and stripped of my civil rights, and I demand the state of California to review this case because I feel it's illegal. And, quote, I'm calling again because I just wanted to make sure that during the process of eliminating the conservatorship, that my father has threatened me several times, that, you know, he'll take my children away. I just want to be guaranteed that everything will be fine with the process and that you guys are taking care of everything, that things will stay the same as far as my custodial time. He apparently had leaked these earlier than this past July, but they didn't really get much buzz. So he brought them back up and captioned this, quote, These calls are to my phone. These calls cost me a ton of money in court, tarnished my name further, but also tore my soul apart. I had no idea where to turn. No one was listening. No one seemed to care. I can't believe nothing has changed. She will never get those years back. Her children were robbed of a huge chunk of history with their mother. He currently actually has a restraining order against him. It started in 2019. He's not allowed to contact Brittany or anyone in her family for five years. During the first week of August, Matthew Rosengart argued for an urgency to the expedition of removing Jamie from the conservatorship. Basically arguing, hey, we can take our time a bit more when it comes to terminating the rest of the conservatorship, but Jamie himself has got to get out of the picture ASAP. Rosengart said, quote, every day matters, and he also alleged that week that Jamie had approved a $500,000 payout from Brittany's estate without her consent. Mid-August, a dancer who had worked with Brittany on the circus tour years and years ago posted on Instagram about this and revealed that during the circus tour, Brittany actually would get really scared to go on stage and would have to be dragged out because she would smell drugs in the air, and that got her very paranoid that the smell would get on her, and if she failed a drug test, she would lose the ability to see her kids. She was very constantly concerned, it seems like, with anyone being able to revoke her ability to see her kids, as those voicemails also indicate. This was a day or two before Jamie officially announced he would agree to step down, in due time, to ensure, quote, an orderly transition to a new conservator. Announcing this official plan to step down, not the same as resigning to just announce you're going to step down. And he was still quite defensive, denied he was doing anything wrong, continued to claim he had actually saved Brittany from harm. Quote, even as Mr. Spears is the unremitting target of unjustified attacks, he does not believe that a public battle with his daughter would be in her best interests. So he and his legal team revealed a lot when they said he will step down now because continuing this public battle is not in her best interests. I mean, he's right. But also, it's kind of to save their own skin. They're tired of having this aired out in the open. 
Because remember, Rosengart is onto them, figuring out potential financial malfeasance and other law-breaking. And Rosengart responded as such, making sure Jamie knows that just because he decides to step back of his own accord does not mean they're going to let him off the hook. Quote, We look forward to continuing our vigorous investigation into the conduct of Mr. Spears and others over the past 13 years, while he reaped millions of dollars from his daughter's estate. And I look forward to taking Mr. Spears's sworn deposition in the near future. August 18th, TMZ caught up with Sam Asgari and were asking him a question about if Brittany would ever perform again. And Sam said she, quote, absolutely will. Those months post-testimony really were a moment where you could tell that Brittany and Sam were really getting cautiously optimistic cautiously excited for starting this new chapter of their lives together as a couple, as an engaged couple. And they even toured this giant new mansion that, fun fact, actually belonged to Jeffree Star at one point. Anyway, they were planning to move. They went on a quick trip to Hawaii together. They were really trying to kind of act like this was behind them and acting like they were free or were about to be. You could tell their cautious optimism was alive. But the following day, August 19th, Rosengart had to refute a tabloid rumor about Brittany striking a housekeeper. Started spreading in the tabloids, and the court decided not to prosecute her due to a total lack of evidence that that had ever happened. Long story short, apparently Brittany had her dogs taken away from her for two weeks during the investigation after apparently she didn't want her housekeeper taking a picture and some say she swiped the phone out of her hand. Some people portray it as more of a violent striking the phone away. But Rosengart refuted this, called it tabloid fodder, to distract from Brittany's deserved freedom. August 24th, Rosengart was also revealed to have requested not just Jamie's removal from the conservatorship, but also further separation from her estate money, so that a different accountant would be in charge of her estate money now, Jason Rubin. This was an interesting wrinkle in the story, because Rubin has actually, he tried putting his mom in a conservatorship before, and the request was denied by a judge. Reuben was trying to use a doctor's note to argue that his mom was delusional clinically, but apparently that doctor who wrote the note just went off of police calls and emails, had never actually met the woman in person, but was diagnosing her. It was a rushed procedure, failing even on appeal. So due to this questionable history, Reuben decided to just actually remove his name from consideration. Quote, to protect my young family and I from having to deal with the spotlight. Nevertheless, Rosengart was in the process of expanding his legal team, including reportedly hiring a former Justice Department staffer and money laundering expert, Kyle Freeney. September 1st, Rosengart once again formally requested an expedited approval of Jamie's removal. Again, reiterating his view that, hey, time is of the essence, let's hurry this up. One of the reasons he mentioned was Brittany and Sam's engagement, them wanting to enter this new chapter of life, give them time to focus on the prenup process now. September 7th, Jamie himself filed a petition to end the conservatorship full stop. Quote, grounds for establishment of a conservatorship may no longer exist. September 10th, 
USA Today got a response from Judge Penny. They had filed a request to get public audio access during a conservatorship termination hearing that was to take place at the end of the month. Judge Penny insisted they could not, and that that open public audio access that allowed the world to hear Britney's testimony was just a temporary thing, never meant to be a long-term, pandemic-related option, and seemed quite upset with the request. Quote, Constitutional analysis is not triggered every time public attendance is rendered somehow less convenient. Real quick side note here. It's a little ironic that in a case where we are talking about disability rights more generally, to then say, let's not worry about what rights we're violating by making in-person access to locations less convenient. A little ironic, and I don't know if the judge realized that, but anyway. The judge also said they, quote, have had ample access to non-confidential hearings in this matter. Chris Melcher from USA Today planned to appeal, saying, quote, courts should not operate in darkness. There was a huge shift in public opinion when we heard Britney speak. He also said that audio transparency would really help restore trust in the legal system. Around this time, a state of California appeals court reversed and remanded a decision Judge Penny had made. She had previously claimed that there was not a legal right to pursue fraud claims against and then recover funds from one's conservator. The court strongly disagreed, saying her reading of the law in this instance, quote, abused her discretion. Also in mid-September, clearly Brittany was still top of mind. People were really being reminded how much we love her. And she won the Time Reader poll for who should come out on top for the Time 100 list of 2021, which I 1,000% agree with. September 22nd, Sam Asghari left a comment on an Instagram post about one of the Britney documentaries, Britney v. Spears, saying, quote, I hope the profit from these docs goes towards fighting against injustice. Hashtag free Britney. While he was doing that, Rosengart was issuing a statement refusing to cow to Jamie's request for a $2 million payout. September 27th, Rosengart responded to some of the New York Times documentary's bombshell claims, including that she had been surveilled, monitored, listened in on without her consent. And California is a two-party consent state. So you can't legally put a listening device in a room without both parties consenting to it being there. So Rosengart's response in part said, quote, The chickens have truly come home to roost. Engaged in horrifying and unconscionable invasions of his adult daughter's privacy, Mr. Spears has crossed unfathomable lines. So add this to the list of potential charges against conservators in this case. Thankfully, Capitol Hill had not forgotten about this issue. September 28th, a congressional hearing was held where people under conservatorships could testify and share their stories, which I will link to on my site. And this hearing was called Toxic Conservatorships, the Need for Reform. This was also around the time rumors started spreading. This was never really verified, but tons of speculation online that Lou Taylor had been behind the scenes helping manufacture the slew of negative press reviews made about the Britney documentaries that year. Because they were clearly very, very damaging to the reputation of Jamie and company. 
September 29th was huge. Jamie was removed from the conservatorship. It turns out that just a few weeks prior to that decision, Jamie had started selling off millions of dollars worth of property in Brittany's name. John Zabel was named the temporary conservator over her finances. This appointment was protested naturally by Jamie, who said basically he doesn't have the skills for this. After 13 years, you expect to just appoint someone brand new and get them acclimated quickly to these circumstances? He did not bring up any of his own potential ex qualifications there, but there you go. September 30th, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed the Free Britney Bill, which will go into effect January 2022. And we'll talk about similar legislation and its implications in a little bit. It was later revealed that sometime in October, Britney's psychiatrist submitted a letter to the court, once again stressing Britney's desire for her dad to stay out of the picture. October 4th, Robin Greenhill was asked by paparazzi at LAX about the claims that Britney had been surveilled without her consent, and she did not reply to any of their questions. Remember, Robin Greenhill is the one who works for TriStar, Lou Taylor's company. October 5th, John Zabel filed his acknowledgement of receiving his handbook detailing his role as conservator. This was around the same time Brittany posted a picture of a mermaid above a sister of hers on Instagram with the caption, quote, This picture is everything to me. It makes me want to cry. She's saving her divine feminine sister. Side note, that wording made me think of her femme fatale album. Maybe a coincidence, but I thought it was noteworthy nonetheless. I suggest if you have a friend that's been in a house that feels really small for four months, no car, no phone, no door for privacy, and they have to work around 10 hours a day, seven days a week, and give tons of blood weekly, with never a day off, I strongly suggest you go pick up your friend and get them the hell out of there. Shortly after this post about appreciating an image of someone saving their sister, Jamie Lynn's husband went on defense again in now-leaked DMs between him and Britney fans, saying things like, quote, my wife has never been anything but the perfect sister, and, quote, controlled, she takes private jets and vacations wherever she wants. I wish someone would control me like that. If she didn't have her dad, she would be broke and dead. October 15th, a Good Morning Britain interview aired with Britney's aunt, Leanne Spears Rather. And the interview really pulled back the curtain on men in the Spears family, generation to generation, breaking laws, being very controlling over women, etc. Britney's uncle has a criminal history. He had a restraining order against him, battery charges, a citation for trespassing, and he got caught illegally distributing marijuana all in the early 90s. And in the late 90s, he got a DUI and was arrested for an assault felony charge. The National Enquirer in 2004 even claimed he has this nickname around town as Roadkill Willie because he takes roadkill when he sees it home to cook it. Leanne, her dad June, was apparently physically abusive and his wife Emma Jean took her own life very young, something June is blamed for. When talking about Jamie, this aunt said, quote, He's barbaric. Who gets to do that to someone? She was just manipulated and used, and he wants to say he protected her? No, he caged her. 
Then there's John Mark Spears, Jamie's half-brother, who said Jamie's dad, the aunt's dad, Brittany's grandpa, June, actually put his wife in a mental institution against her will and put her on lithium, making the claims Brittany made in her testimony that summer feel more believable because apparently this had happened before in their family. Rosengar issued a scathing subpoena October 19th to Scott Edelman, who claimed a lot of stuff Rosengart strongly refuted. Here are just some of the many impactful quotes Rosengart said. Many of the statements in your letter are simply beneath you, but disappointingly, they are now part of a pattern, presumably so that you can seek to make a false record for your client or try to intimidate me or my firm. Your statements, misleading characterizations, and implicit threats are highly inappropriate. You or your client might not be interested in the truth, but we are duty-bound to continue to obtain it. Despite your side's ongoing efforts at delay and obfuscation, whatever legal or other problems your client has are obviously not even remotely of my making. Your claims that threats your client is supposedly receiving, referring to Jamie, are all because of me, is shameful. I have been extremely restrained and tepid in any comments about your client, and moreover, your claim that I am trying my case in the press is also demonstrably false. I asked you for two very basic pieces of information. A copy of TriStar's business management agreement, and the total revenue received by TriStar from my client or the estate. Moreover, and this is bolded, if your client had nothing to hide, you would simply produce this information. His document requests in the subpoena include any documents regarding electronic surveillance of Brittany, a listening device planted in her home, communication between Robin and Jamie, Robin and the estate conservator, Robin's accounting fees, any legal fees paid with money from Brittany's estate, TriStar's business agreements, all correspondence between Robin and security that would have been involved in surveilling Brittany, and tons more. October 20th. New court filings revealed that Jamie had replaced his lawyer, Vivian Thorine, with a litigation attorney, Alex Weingarten. Thorine had actually dropped Jamie as a client as soon as he was suspended from the conservatorship and probably further appreciated him making distance between them. October 6th, Brittany posted an Instagram photo with a caption saying, quote, I'm tired of being this understanding Mother Teresa. If you're rude to me, then I'm done. This message is to my family for hurting me deeper than you'll ever know. I know the conservatorship is about to be over, but I still want justice. Two days later, a subpoena was issued to TriStar. November 2nd, right around the day Brittany officially signed the documents consenting to the conservatorship's termination, Brittany revealed something huge on Instagram. Quote, My dad may have started the conservatorship 13 years ago, but what people don't know is that my mom is the one who gave him the idea. I will never get those years back. She secretly ruined my life. And yes, I will call her and Lou Taylor out on it. My dad is not smart enough to ever think of a conservatorship, but tonight I will smile knowing I have a new life ahead of me. 
Apparently, around this time, Lynn had actually flown out from Louisiana to see Brittany in L.A. in person and patch things up, and Brittany wouldn't talk to her, was so upset she wouldn't let her in the house. And now we know why. The nerve was pretty big. Around November 3rd, Lynn's counsel filed a petition to request that their attorney fees be paid through Brittany's estate. Yeah, so Brittany would pay for Lynn's legal fees. Estimated to be over $700,000. Lynn, at this point, was claiming she had been instrumental to removing Jamie from this equation. So therefore, it was relevant to use estate money to compensate her. November 5th, Lou Taylor filed documents asking a judge to stop Rosengard from getting full access to accounting information regarding the conservatorship. November 6th, an OK Magazine insider claimed Jamie Lynn is, quote, fuming at the suggestion that she's betrayed her own flesh. She's had it with Britney's talk that her whole family's a bunch of leeches who deserve to be in jail. She's not going to just sit back and take it. Interestingly, OK Magazine is also the publication that published the very first pictures of Jamie Lynn with her daughter. So they kind of have a long-standing relationship. November 10th, Robin Greenhill filed a motion to avoid having to testify under oath. She may have been involved in that secret monitoring of Britney's conversations and doesn't want to have to testify in that case. The big, big day that goes down in history. November 12th, 2021, the conservatorship was terminated. Britney was freed. Rosengart said, quote, I don't want to bury the lead. We believe the conservatorship, as a practical matter, should end today. And it did. The fans were overjoyed, obviously, online and in person outside the courthouse, sinning, cheering, popping confetti. Brittany posted about it being the best day of her life. Then she posted after that weekend about how it had been such a special weekend. She had her first glass of champagne. She's already talking about how much she wants to have another kid again. She talked about it just being the best day ever and how she wants to celebrate her upcoming 40th birthday for two straight months. Quote, I mean, after 13 years, I think I've waited long enough. And now she can. All those little things she couldn't do the past 13 years. Go for a car ride with her boyfriend. Buy a pair of shoes without asking first. Just chill out at a restaurant drinking champagne. She can do all that now. As of recording time, just the other day, Brittany posted a video to Instagram further thanking the Free Brittany movement, saying it basically saved her life. And that outside support and pressure constantly over the past 13 years really, really paid off. As for her career, TMZ is already claiming she's back to thinking about her next album and planning to record it. Take that with a grain of salt. Would love new music from her especially now that she's not muzzled, but give her time, please. She doesn't have to work another day in her life if she doesn't want to. I only want her to be able to work on music when it doesn't feel like work. And now it no longer has to as much. As for Jamie's response, his lawyer's statement said, quote, For 13 years, he has tried to do what is in her best interests. This included helping her revive her career and reestablish a relationship with her children. This is also meant biting his tongue and not responding to all the false, speculative, and unsubstantiated attacks on him. 
These facts make the outcome of yesterday's hearing all the more disappointing, and frankly, a loss for Brittany. Brittany is not just left out in the open now with no idea how to move forward after over a decade with someone else in charge. She's now entering what is advocated for as a better alternative to a conservatorship in the first place. It's called a supported decision-making agreement, and we're going to talk about that more in a bit. So Jody Montgomery is still in the picture. Now, just to help set up this supported decision-making agreement. So she's not just left to her own devices, unsure what to do. And this is a plan Jody is working on, not on her own, but with a medical team. One of the best things about a supported decision-making model is that it is a team project. It's not one sole person in charge of everything. And the story isn't over when it comes to Rosengart, who is still on Jamie and Tristar's case, looking into what laws they could have broken. So I will surely keep you updated on the show with legal developments against Jamie. The story ought to continue because change is still needed. Not just a few bills passed here and there in America, but a big overhaul to the conservatorship system. So that's what I want to spend the rest of this episode discussing. And I will link to the big, explosive BuzzFeed News investigation about this unregulated world of conservatorships on my site. But here are some harrowing takeaways. And I do want to warn you, there are some very disturbing details about death and abuse coming up. Conservatorships were actually always meant to be a last resort. Other alternatives had to be sought out first, and that is often legally what should happen, but it's hard to prove that you investigated other options first. It's, in a practical sense, still legally permissible to just jump right into this. It's really hard to pin down the exact number of these guardianships in America because there's no centralized database. No oversight board, no big cohesive structure that can monitor these conservatorships and flag red flags. Current estimates are around 1 million or more people under these guardianships in the USA. And the estimate is about over 200,000 cases are filed a year for guardianships to start. The number is actually increasing in recent years. Like in Brittany's case, it is super common for these conservatorships to get started in a matter of minutes. It's all over in a few minutes. You don't need to even tell the conservatee ahead of time. You can just say, hey, in court today, over the course of 10 minutes, we signed away your rights. It can be a really perverse system because, first of all, the judges and the lawyers tend to know each other. So the judge can appoint whichever lawyer or stranger to your case that they want to, which is very questionable to say the least. Second, there's a perverse incentive structure because the longer the conservatorship goes, the more lawyer's fees you rack up. You get paid more and more the longer it goes on. So some people actually prefer to be guardians of people very young, engaging in what's called a schooled guardianship pipeline, where some Americans with disabilities enter guardianships the second they turn 18. There are a lot of cases where someone is declared incapacitated and therefore in need of a conservatorship for super treatable conditions like PTSD. And mental illness is often cited as a reason. It doesn't have to be a physical reason or physical and mental. It can be just a treatable mental illness. And that's enough grounds for conservatorship approval. 
despite the fact that most of the freedoms listed in the UN's Universal Declaration of Human Rights go away under guardianship. The right to consent to your medical treatment, the right to control your own finances, to seek employment, to own property, to vote, to marry, to start a family. There's actually not a limit on these guardians' number of cases. There are a lot of times where a guardian is in control of literally hundreds of conservatees at the same time. So a lot of times, they don't do all of the routine checks they're supposed to on every conservatee. I mean ward, really. Not technically conservatee here, be a ward, but you know what I mean. There's such a lack of vetting that no one really notices if they don't meet the legal required amount of check-ins with that person. And the vetting in the first place to make you a guardian is pretty lax because the court clerks are very overstretched with their schedules as it is. And it's really a low entry barrier to be a guardian. You don't need years of training in medicine or law or anything specific that you're in charge of suddenly with this person. This unprecedented BuzzFeed investigation looked at over 200 guardianship cases and found that they detected over 130 cases out of the 200 of potential financial malpractice at the expense of these wards. 110 instances that may qualify as abuse or neglect, 50 claims of isolating that person from family and friends, and 20 cases involving questionable deaths. They also found instances of invasive medical procedures done without conservatives' consent, even sometimes sterilization. They also found frequent use of restraints and other abusive tactics to control these people. And they found that a lot of mentally, not physically, just mentally ill wards are put under DNR orders, do not resuscitate orders, even young physically healthy wards. And just a reminder, all of these are undercounts based on a sample size. Since less than half of U.S. states, they reached out to all states and D.C., Less than half had usable data. Again, there's just a total lack of a centralized oversight and data organization here. Alright, now I'm going to get into the most dark exploitative details, so skip forward a few minutes if you're very squeamish. In one case, a 31-year-old man was found buried in concrete for months before his guardian even realized he had gone missing. No charges filed against this guardian, who still currently oversees 130 people. In fact, the staffers didn't just not punish this guardian, but the staffers at the place who had conserved him, Second Chance, falsified medical documents to make it look like he was still alive. So they were writing reports about his days and what he was doing while he was dead. So they could keep getting Medicaid money. And they got over $100,000 that way. One guardian made millions of dollars while in charge of over 500 conservatees. She was charged with abuse and neglect after putting one man under a DNR order and allegedly telling doctors to cap his feeding tube. Police raided her office and found there, on display, cremated remains of nine of her former wards. One guardian paid her bills by selling off conservatives' homes. 
She said she could prove all the spending was, quote, for the ward's benefit, but she didn't actually prove it because she says the paperwork was taken by law enforcement. She had actually put dozens of her wards under DNRs, and thousands of dollars went into prepaid burial plans for, quote, two favored local funeral homes. And there are at least two reported deaths on her watch. One guardian from Florida set up a trust with awards money and charged over $70,000 in fees by the time an investigation had even started. One guardianship nonprofit group took money out of the accounts of over 800 wards. One woman in the hospital dealing with depression lost her rights while she was there and was kept under what they call a lockdown there as the paychecks kept coming. A New Mexico nonprofit embezzled around $10 million from over 800 clients, spending the money on homes, cars, vacations, shopping sprees. This quote from the investigation is just baffling. Court clerks had spotted no red flags in any of the firm's financial filings, leaving the abuse to continue unchecked for more than a decade until junior employees blew the whistle. The firm's president was finally sentenced to prison in July, but by then, there was almost nothing left in the accounts. One doctor in Florida serves as a prime example of extreme conflicts of interest here that can arise because this guy is both regularly appointed to assess guardianships by the probate courts. The courts appoint him to assess guardianships. Meanwhile, he's the founder of a law firm specializing in representing those guardians in court. Then there's the case of a guardian in Missouri who monitored awards Facebook messages with friends and family. When she saw him connecting with his dad, she ended that Facebook conversation. She had changed his password and then wanted to isolate him from family and friends so badly, she had him relocated to a low-rated nursing home eight hours away. I encourage you to read the whole report, which I will link to once again on my site, but first a few more just mind-bogglingly awful tidbits that really caught my eye. These people are treated so inhumanely. In Arkansas, Guardians are allowed illegally to put the conservatees into the county jail, quote, for safekeeping. I also found it interesting that one of the most massive states for guardianships is Florida, with over 500 professional ones. Parents are often kept largely in the dark as soon as a guardian has entered the picture. Some parents don't even realize they've kind of legally just given up their kid for good until it happens. In the case of a 24-year-old, his family didn't know he had died until they read it in the local paper. Then there's a case out of Texas, quote, By the time his wife found out he was dead, his remains had already been sent to a funeral home. The lawsuit states Hickson's guardian had only a provisional guardianship certificate and less than a year of experience. There's the case of one guardian who allegedly just would not tell the mom where her son was and said, I'm mom now, and made sure the Spanish-speaking staffer on the case was removed so the Spanish-speaking mother would be further left confused. In the cases where there actually are consequences for guardians behaving badly, they can be just a slap on the wrist. One guardian found to have falsified information on her applications to become a guardian. She was found to have committed perjury by doing so. Her punishment? 
three hours of ethics training. Because the system is so incredibly broken and not really set up at all in a structure that works, it's going to take a lot of long-term change. A lot of reform needed, mostly it just needs to, from the bottom up, be restructured. So in the meantime, I think the best way to stop this from happening is to stress and reinforce the supported decision-making model instead of guardianships at all. A supported decision-making agreement basically keeps the ward involved in the decisions. It's not made without their consent. They get the advice, the input, the material support from team members, but they have the final say. Plus, the parties can be changed, the parties involved, whenever the ward requests it. The agreement can be kind of a living document, so the arrangement can be modified to meet the needs of the moment for that person. And most importantly, I think, it's a team. Supported decision-making is about being involved with a team to support you where you need it. One person is not getting to control things without being held accountable, and you can change who's in there. So if someone's not helping represent your interests, you can speak up about that. One of the worst aspects of full-on conservatorships is that they are so all-or-nothing. This supported decision-making model allows you to create a plan specifically that will work for you, where you do need support the most from someone else taking over. Whereas a conservatorship is just a blanket decision to have someone else call all the shots in every area, including your right to have a lawyer of your choosing. So when you can't do that under a conservatorship, there's no legal way out of a conservatorship. There is a recent Minnesota statute requiring conservatees who are under the age of 30 to not be put under guardianship of the same person for over six years. So they cannot try to pick a young ward to make decades worth of paychecks off of them anymore. There was a recent funding boost, luckily, to the Office of Public and Professional Guardians in Florida. 13 states and D.C. have recently passed laws that encourage supporting decision-making as an alternative. And Congresspeople Nancy Mace and Charlie Christ filed a bill to create the Free Britney Act that would, quote, restore and protect the rights of the roughly 1.3 million Americans under conservatorship. Legal change is happening, and I truly do believe this Free Britney movement will free a lot of other people. This is not a talked-about issue enough. This is a silent epidemic, basically, and I'm so glad a light is shining on this situation. So please keep it on your radar, push your representatives to support this kind of thing, and keep it in your memory. Because media stories are so 24 hours. They have such a short lifespan. We have such a short attention span, story after story. Britney's story is not over yet, and we've got to keep our eyes on it, and many like it. So that is my ultimate summary of everything that's happened so far, and obviously there's a lot more, and more overt text, the legislation, the research around guardianships, I will link to all the sources on my site as always. Please keep reading and thinking about this. And supporting Brittany, congrats Brittany. You deserve the world. We love you and are so, so excited this day has come. Live it up. Have that two-month birthday celebration. Congrats. Thank you all for listening. I'll talk to you all again soon.